Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Ambassadors Forum radio show here on True Talk 800 AM KPDQ. I'm your host, Roy Swart, father of seven, MIT graduate, active engineer in the high-tech industry, and most importantly, bought and paid for bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our mission here at the Ambassadors Forum is to equip you to be able to answer life's hard questions the same way Jesus would. We're going to continue interviewing speakers from our upcoming conference in October on today's show. I know you are going to enjoy today's special guest. So my guest today is Hillary Morgan Ferrer. Hillary is the founder and mama bear-in-chief of Mama Bear Apologetics. She feels a burden for providing accessible apologetic resources for busy moms. Hillary is the co-author and general editor of Mama Bear Apologetics, empowering your kids to challenge cultural lies. Hillary has a master's degree in biology from Clemson University, and in between books is finishing a master's degree in apologetics from Biola University. She loves helping moms to discern both truths and lies in science and culture, and she also specializes in understanding the root causes of doubt. She and her husband, John, have been married for 13 years and ministered together as an apologetics team. Hillary, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So it is obvious that you have a ton of fans. Do you want to <laughs> get? <laughs> do you want to give a shout out to your Pacific Northwest mama bears and maybe explain a little bit about your ministry to those who may not be familiar with it? Absolutely, Pacific Northwest. Y'all been going through a lot this year, so <laughs> you're you're carrying the torch up there. So woohoo! Yes, <laughs> go mama bears holding the fort down. So our ministry is basically geared towards moms who are wanting to raise their children with a biblical worldview. What I've just seen is there was this untapped. I don't even know what to call it. This this untapped resource that we had in moms who when you know they're they're sweet and they're maternal and you know they're kind of going about their day until you mess with their kids and then oh my gosh <laughs> they will bring the pain and uh and yeah they will rise up to protect their children like mm. nothing you have ever seen in your life and mm. so i thought what how can we take that and harness that instinct towards learning apologetics because we really do have so many worldviews and so many lies that are coming against our kids that I thought if we could make moms aware of how this is attacking their children, oh my gosh, it's like, <laughs> everybody get out of the way. The moms are going to do all the work for us here. Well, well, the rallying cry for your ministry is mess with our kids and we will demolish your arguments. That's a pretty, pretty intense rally cry. Explain the heart of your ministry. Yeah, so one of the things that I like to say repeatedly is that we do not demolish people, we demolish arguments. So mm. it talks about in 2 Corinthians 10.5 about how we are to demolish any argument raised against the knowledge of God. So we have to be able to distinguish when we're working with an idea and when we're working with a person. Mm. And so that rally cry was meant to kind of raise up that mama bear, but also channel her energy at the appropriate thing, because our war is not against flesh and blood. Our war is against the, the powers and the principalities of this world, and that is what we were coming to demolish. You use an acronym of ROAR, R-O-A-R, at the end of each chapter of your book. Can you explain that concept? Yeah, so I, I find that uh, a lot of times when people are wanting to exercise quote-unquote discernment, 
that all they do is just poke holes in everything. They just want to point out what's wrong with everything. I think there's even a website out there that says everything wrong with the world on, you know, something or other. And it's like, that's all they do is talk about things wrong with the world. And I thought that's a, that's a really negative approach. So I wanted to create a way to pick through ideas to discern what's going on in a way that you could actually talk with someone with whom you disagree. So the ROAR acronym start, uh, stands for recognize the message, offer discernment, argue for a healthier approach, and, and then reinforce basically through discussion, discipleship, and prayer. In, in the, the R section, recognize the message. It's We're going to be looking at what are the main messages that are coming towards us, either with this ideology, uh, in this movie, in this song, and basically anything in culture. How can we recognize what the basic message is? And then for offer discernment, what we're looking for is I want to, first off, I want to know that there's always going to be good mixed with the bad. There's always going to be something biblical mixed with something unbiblical. Um, so what we're doing is we're looking at that and we're trying to see how can we separate the good from the bad so we can accept the good and reject the bad. This would also be called the chew and spit method that we talk about in the book. And it's, it's being able to look at something as a whole and find what is good and redeeming about it and what is something that I should reject. So then argue for a healthier approach. Usually in, in the discernment section, you've identified something that's good, maybe a, a value or um, a problem that you can agree with for someone with a different worldview. And argue for a healthier approach, you say, you know what, I agree with those things. Here is how a biblical worldview actually addresses the concerns that you have. So you're, that's where you take the things that you've separated and now we're gonna argue for a healthier approach. How do, how do we address this better? And then reinforce through discussion, discipleship, and prayer. Uh, it just talks about how we need to be reinforcing these ideas with our children. And we need to be praying through them because spiritual strongholds need to be taken down in a spiritual way. And that, that involves prayer. If we leave prayer out of the process and all we're doing is arguing ideas, then I think we've missed the point of what we're doing. So that, that's, that's the roar technique. You've talked a lot about linguistic theft. Mm -hmm. uh, explain that concept to our audience and also what we can do to challenge it. Yeah. So linguistic theft, it's different than just the evolution of language. We all know that words sometimes mean something different now than what they used to mean. And, and that's not really what we're talking about. We're talking about when someone purposefully takes a word that has meaning and then changes that meaning for the purpose of then trying to get people to agree to maybe an agenda that they wouldn't normally agree to. So the, the best example I can give on this is love because mm. our entire Christian worldview is built around the concept that God is love and that Jesus said to love God and to love our neighbor. And so if someone takes the definition of love and they change it, they can basically make, especially Christian kids who, who don't mm. have the savvy, yeah. to recognize a bad definition, they can say, well, your Bible says to love. This is what it means to love. Why aren't you doing this? Mm. And they can they can basically turn love into affirming sin. It could be, um, it turn it into a political thing. I mean, there, there's really no end to what you can do if you're the one who gets to define love. So wow. we're seeing this with terms like love. We're seeing it with terms like justice and injustice. Linguistic theft a lot of times either just stops a discussion in its tracks or it makes people act without thinking. When someone says, oh, there's an injustice that's happened, the Bible is very pro-justice. And yes. so a lot of times it tries to rile people up into saying, you know, turn them into kind of this angry mob. Oh, yes, we need to go correct the injustice. 
but they don't define what actually happened. They're labeling things. Mm. So it's it's using these words as labels in exchange for actual information. So if you don't get the information, you're just getting what I call these buzzwords, you know, injustice, inequality, there's a crisis going on. We need to stop and ask, what are they talking about? Because sometimes they are defining those incorrectly and something that may not actually be injustice, they're calling injustice just to make you react against it. So what can we do to try and challenge or combat that kind of linguistic theft? I think this goes back to uh, the excellent book by Greg Kokel, Tactics, where you're just uh, saying, oh, what do you mean by that? And find mm. out, oh, injustice, what, what exactly happened? Find out what happened, find out what they mean by the word that they're using. Again, you know, from, from Tactics, uh, how did you come to that conclusion? You need to see where, you know, if, if, if situation A led them to conclusion B that injustice has occurred, you ask them, how did you get from A to B? How did you come to that conclusion? And sometimes getting them to actually say it out loud, you can say, oh, huh, I guess I, I, I wouldn't define it that way. And, you know, wh why do you define that as injustice? Why do you define that as unloving? Why do you define that as oppression? And really, um, there, there's a phrase, I think Dennis Prager uses it. It's a clarity over agreement where mm, we're not, we're not always going to be able to come into agreement. But if as long as there's clarity then I think that's half the battle because I think a lot of the tactics by linguistic theft, not not the Greg Kokel tactics, but just uh, <laughs> linguistic theft as a tool is really based on there not being clarity with kind of mm. blurring definitions, blurring things. And when you bring it into the light and define it, the power goes away. I like that you bring up Greg Kokel's book, Tactics. I always tell people, if you could only get one book on apologetics, Make sure it's tactics. It is so foundational. It's just very practical. <laughs> a lot of apologetics ministries focus on one celebrity personality. Your approach has been to tackle this as a team. How did you decide to take that approach, and what have been the benefits and challenges? That was a very purposeful decision, I'm going to mm. say that. I never wanted to do this by myself. I did not want this to be Hillary Morgan for Rare Ministries. I was not even going to do this unless I had a partner. And my, my goal was to bring other women along to, mm. uh, to do this. Because honestly, I think women work well in teams and other women respond to that. I've got it on the end of my email signature and everybody kind of thinks it's a joke, but I really mean it that I think we're all in this together. And I think women a lot of times understand that and especially as moms just need each other. Yeah. And I also find that that protects me as well. I think it's dangerous when you built when you build a ministry around a single personality because yeah. there is yeah. one single target that the enemy goes after and there's so much opportunity for pride to slip in. Mm. And for just the basically, if you attack that person, the whole ministry goes down. And I don't think that was ever a model in scripture is, is to, to have one person carrying that whole load. I think it makes a lot more sense to have more people carry the load. It protects me, I think, also uh, from ever thinking that I'm a little too big for my britches and I've got people around me who will take me down a notch if I ever start, I don't know, if I ever start getting attacked by pride. So I've, I've just been very aware of what pride does to ministries from the beginning and I purposely structured this organization to try to protect against that. You are an inspiration to a lot of young women in apologetics, including Aww. including my own daughter. Aww, she <laughs> she's going to Biola. She's studying Christian ministries, and she went to a women in apologetics conference that you spoke at last year. 
and she said, oh, Dad, you, you've got to listen to her. She, she's great. She was so wonderful and encouraging. I think she had a, an example from Disney that you, uh, oh, that you yes. gave. Oh, yes. <laughs> I used the Little Mermaid example. Yeah, exactly. That was it, Little Mermaid. <laughs> and she's like, Dad, it was so, it was so good and clever and, and insightful. And how have you seen women approach apologetics differently than men? Um, I think my interest in being kind of uh, really targeting women for apologetics started several years back, probably around 2015. Uh, there was a girl that I knew that, that said something to me that I have just never forgotten because um, she had an organization uh, at the time was called International Society of Women in Apologetics. And I thought, why do you need a whole society for women? Why not just do apologetics? And she, she kind of told me, hey, there's this huge demographic of women out there who will not read something unless it's by a woman for a woman. Wow. Hmm. And that blew my mind because I've, you know, I've kind of been used to being the only girl in the room or I'm, mm. I'm very much a daddy's girl. I, I have no <laughs> problem, yeah, doing the guy stuff. And so it just never even occurred to me. Once I understood that, I thought, holy cow, like, how are we going to, not only how are we going to get the women, but man, the moms. I just mm. had that phrase mama bear going through my head. Mm. Uh, and I thought nobody is targeting the moms. And so... I would say that that was kind of my main impetus for doing stuff with women. I find that uh, apologetics has kind of had a bad reputation, which I discovered more and more after I got <laughs> married because my husband was an apologist. Mm. And anywhere we went, when he said, oh, I do apologetics, you automatically saw people lean back. They got that kind of defensive posture mm. where they lean back and they cross their arms. Wow. And I realized, man, why, why has apologetics gotten such a bad rap? And I think it's because, okay, I'm going to get a little off topic here. <laughs> um, I think there's been such a feminizing influence in the church, having, you know, soft lighting, holding hands and candles and stuff that you had a bunch of men going, how, how can we still be men and do this Christianity thing? And so mm. they kind of turned to apologetics, but they made it sort of like this Christian fight club where, you know, mm. you're trying to do the, ah, gotcha, gotcha, you know, fighting against an atheist. And so I think there's a lot of wisdom. I, I wrote an article several years back say, um, that says, yes, women need apologetics, but more importantly, apologetics needs women. And one of the reasons in there I said is I think a lot of times men pioneer, but women civilize. Wow, that's good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so I think that it was time really for women to come in and kind of have a civilizing influence. And then secondly, I find Mary Jo Sharp made a comment a while back about how when she gets questions at her talks that a lot of times she's, she's noticed that the men who come forward to ask questions are asking their own questions. And women who come forward to ask questions are asking on behalf of somebody. And so I think, huh. yeah, so I think women naturally want to make this a relational tool. Mm. And so I, th I think that's kind of another reason why um, our approach has been different. I think, you know, the whole men and men are waffles and women are spaghetti. It's like guys can compartmentalize something. So they go and they're at, they're in their work box here. They're in their family box when they're here. They go to apologetics conference. They're in their apologetics box. You can right. open the box and close the box. And, you know, I've got that information for if I want it later. Yep. Um, women really integrate everything. And so I think mm. things have been presented in that real boxy formula. Like, here's your apologetics box. Now we're going to dump some mm. information. I see. What I try to do is I try to show how these questions interact with every sphere of your life, every interaction with people, the way you interact with your children. I guess that really appealed just to the way women think more. 
Oh, that's great. My, my first introduction to that concept was when that same daughter that I spoke about earlier, mm-hmm. um, she went to Summit. Uh, the the Summit Ministries conference oh, in Colorado with great Jeff conference. Myers, yeah, and she came back and we had an apologetics conference here in Portland, and she taught one of the breakout sessions, and her perspective was so different than all the other breakout sessions that it it, it really stopped me in my tracks, and I was like. She is on to something here. God has made her to think differently. I mean, we're mm-hmm. all individuals, but she brought that female perspective to the talk that I think it just a lot of people were like, wow, that is something that we're missing. It really shook me at the time, and I was like, there is something so important here. I need to, to pay attention and to observe. And I, I think you, you've outlined it beautifully in the last couple of minutes. It is absolutely something that the church needs. Um, mm-hmm. um, so that's that's great. Oh, she sounds precious. I'd love to meet her. <laughs> so you have also been a, a real inspiration to a lot of the homeschool families in our communities. For those who are overwhelmed, even thinking about adding one more responsibility to an already full homeschooling plate... What advice do you have for moms to get them started as a mama bear? I, I Honestly, I think there's a lot of ways to integrate apologetics into what you're already doing. And I think that would start with dissecting the media that you watch, uh, using the chew and spit method and the roar method, just to any, anything that you're watching. Um, just kind of start asking some of those basic questions about it. What's the main message to this uh, what are, I think in the chapter on, on Roar, we have um, a list of things that you can kind of ask when you're watching media, like the protagonist and the antagonist, what do they represent? What values are being elevated? Mm. What values are being demeaned? And you can actually start learning about the worldview just by watching that. And so I, I recommend also, <laughs> it's like this, this is kind of uh, advice from, you know, like so six months ago, but when you go to a movie theater, (laughs) if you go to a movie theater, uh, purposely drive to one that's further away, especially if you have young kids who have no idea how long it takes to get anywhere. That gives you a perfect opportunity for the way back to start Mm. asking these questions and you have a captive audience. (laughs) Why do you think your book, uh, Mama Bear Apologetics, struck such a chord within the Christian community. There have been a lot of good apologetics resources around for a long time. What was missing in them that you think you were able to tap into? I don't totally know. Um, I mean, the only thing I can think of is that, the, uh, like, honestly, but I, I never had plans to have a ministry. I never wanted to start a ministry. I've never been involved in women's ministry. It was so clear that God had called me to do this. I mean, just that even the name, I remember sleepless nights with this name Mama Bear going through my head and just mm. writing down pages and pages of notes of just basically outlining the ministry. I, th- I think, I really think part of it is just like, this was God's timing. This is what he wanted to happen. I think also there was nothing that was specifically oriented towards moms. Mm. Um, I, I found that a lot of women who were in apologetics previously kind of mimicked the male model of doing it. It's like they, they were a woman, but they were doing still doing apologetics in, in a very male way, kind of mm. that real compartmentalization. Mm. And I, I don't know, I think the Lord's kind of given me a gift to cram a lot of information into smaller spaces mm. <laughs> to have kind of statements that really summarize things really well. Um, and so I think it kind of helped 
maybe people see all the missing, you know, pieces in between information and how it interacted together. I have no idea. I mean, I think that's what it was. <laughs> and I purposefully infused humor. So I don't yeah. know, maybe that. I was reading through just the chapter headings of your book. And if you just read the chapter headings, you have kind of summarized the whole thing about what the chapter is about in one pithy little phrase. If you can remember those 16 phrases, and they're all short and sweet, mm-hmm. you've pretty much got the whole book in your head, and it's it's very, very helpful. I wanted it to be something where as soon as you saw it, you knew exactly what that chapter was going to be about. Yeah. And so I want to give a shout out to my high school Bible study teacher who forced us. Oh, and I hated it. I hated it. <laughs> um, that She had this thing where we would go through these large passages of scripture and we were required to summarize the whole passage in exactly 10 words. Wow. Oh, that's good. That's a good uh, discipline. <laughs> it is. And so it's like it, it became this practice of how do I summarize this and exactly not like any of these are exactly 10 words, but sure. she started my brain moving like that. Thank you so much. This is an awesome uh, interview. So thank you, Hillary, for oh. taking the time. Well, thank you so much for having me. We only have time to quickly answer one question this week. Here it is from our website. What is apologetics? That's a great question, especially for an apologetics ministry. So apologetics is simply defending the Christian faith. What it's not is apologizing for being a Christian. The word is a transliteration, where the letters in a word from one language are basically copied into another language to form a new word with the same meaning. Things like science from Latin or Hanukkah from Hebrew. The word apologetics comes from the Greek word apologia. The word is used to describe a presenting of the truth about a matter in the face of specific accusations. Perhaps the most famous use of the word apologia in ancient literature is in the work of Plato called Apologia Socrates, which means the Apology of Socrates, which dealt with the trial and conviction of Socrates for crimes against the city-state of Athens. So what was the book about? Because of the common usage of the word apology today, you might think it was a public renouncement by Socrates of his wrongdoing, or a humble expression of sorrow and remorse for any pain or trouble he had caused. Not even close. Apologia denotes more of a public defense like in the face of false allegations. It's more something that would happen in a courtroom than a living room. Then where did we get this notion of an apology being an admission of error along with an expression of regret? Where did it go from meaning, I'm innocent, to I'm sorry? Well, my friends, welcome to the world of language. As Hillary talked about earlier, language evolves. That's a natural thing that happens all the time. This is not linguistic theft. Nobody came in and purposefully redefined apologia to mean an apology. Words come to be defined as they are used, and that definition changes. For my favorite example of this, Google the word gentleman, and you can see what it used to mean versus what it means today. (laughs) Or for another good example, Google the word Google. You see what I mean. So the next time somebody says to you, Christian apologetics, what is that? Apologizing for being a Christian? 
you can show them the truth. Now, how about you? Where are you with the Lord today? What hard questions are you struggling with? The Bible has answers. In fact, it has the answer to the hard question that you are struggling with right now. You can do this. And the Ambassadors Forum is here to help you get started. Go to our website at theambassadorsforum.com. While you're there, you can look at some of the questions that we've already answered. You can ask us your hard question. You can sign up to receive our monthly newsletter. You can browse through some of our helpful resources. Make sure to follow us on Facebook. And sign up to join us for one of our monthly forum events where we have great speakers presenting on relevant topics. And lastly, make sure you sign up to attend our annual West Coast Apologetics Conference on October 23rd and 24th. We're just a few weeks away. At the conference, you'll be able to hear excellent apologists like Hillary and a host of other gifted communicators equip you to better defend your faith. Finally, thank you for joining us on the radio today. You can join us every Saturday at 9.30 a.m. here on True Talk 800 a.m. KPDQ. I pray that God will raise you up in your own faith and send you out to share that faith with others in the grace and truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Until next time, I'm Roy Swart. May the Lord bless you and keep you.